Bible. Big message today. Boom. Oswald Chambers, we're going to start with April 15th. April 15th is going to talk to us about a relapse in our concentration. You know what that means, right? You ain't paying attention, you run into something. Or if you ain't paying attention, you miss a turn. You ever done that? Yes. Yeah, well, um, we're not, you know, uh, unaware of this possibility. The, the challenge is, are you aware of this potential in your spiritual life as well? That if you're not Johnny on the spot, if you will, you could very easily misstep. And then God's got to start it over again and work some things through. So I want to bring this forth and we'll get into the scripture. Scriptures, there's a lot today. Um, but the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all of his days. King Asa, his heart before the Lord was perfect. But he didn't remove the high places. And as king, he let his people secretly offer up and have sacrifices of their own. Let them have their own little versions. As a king, he was right before the Lord, himself personally. But as a king of the kingdom, he was not. And they paid for it. Asa was incomplete in his external obedience. He was right in the main, but he was not entirely right. Beware of the thing in which you say, oh, that little thing doesn't matter. It's no big deal. Seemingly unimportant decisions we make. The fact that it does not matter much to you may mean it matters a great big deal to God. Because your little, your little sin, your little affection, your little affinity doesn't seem like a big deal to you because you've had it for a long time, right? But it's the one thing that's keeping you out of your perfect relation with God. So as it might not be a big deal to you because it's just, just a habit. It's just a little big deal. It's no big deal. To God, it's keeping you out of the full fellowship. So it becomes a great Big deal. Nothing is a light matter with the child of God. How much longer are some of us going to keep God trying to reach us or teach us one thing? How many times am I going to have to sit up here and repeat this stuff over and over and over for you to finally go, oh, geez, I guess he's talking to me. I need to make a change. How long are we going to remain in the dark? How long are we going to not pay attention to the, you know, speedboat, helicopter, and a ro rowboat that he sent out, to rowboat, speedboat, and helicopter to save us? How long are we going to keep thinking we're waiting on God to do what God's going to do and God already did it? And how are we going to not be part of it? He never loses patience. You say, I know I am right with God. But still the high places remain. you still got those little areas in your life where you have that right to yourself. Which is from the fall of Adam. But if you have a right to yourself, remember one thing, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It might be an itty bitty deal, but it's wrecking your walk and your relationship with him. There's something over which you have not obeyed. 
Are you protesting that your heart is right with God? And yet there's something in your life about what he has caused you to doubt. Makes you wonder if there's a little area. Like, well, I don't know about this one thing. Well, then don't move till you get that one thing straightened out. Whenever there's any kind of a doubt, quit immediately, no matter what it is, because nothing's a mere detail. You know, many of us have problems, issues that we know about. We're walking with the Lord. We're really deciding, I want to I become part of this, this, this new kingdom that he's being brought down. I want to be part of this. And we're having an issue. And we decided to just shut our mouth, close it up, and, and not talk about it, not deal with it, try to ignore it and hope it goes away. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Not going to go away. God's not going to allow any of us to walk. You know, it's kind of like when you walk through one of those metal detectors, you know? And they make you take your belt off and your change out of your pocket and your pin out of your pocket. They used to let you not have to take your shoes off. Now you got to take your shoes off too. But it didn't matter. I take my shoes off all the time. There's always a metal arch in your boots. Well, I've been Western boots my whole life. I walk through that thing and if I don't drag my feet on the floor, like shuffle them across, it sets the alarm off every time. So, this is kind of like having one of those detectors. And you're going to walk through because you're ready to walk on through to go on into the kingdom. And all of a sudden, the bells go off. Nope. we got to check. There's something, something going on in here that's, that, that still needs to be out of your pocket. Take it out and put on a belt or whatever. We need to look at it. And you go, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing. I don't have anything. And he goes, well, the detector doesn't lie. And so, we are going to have to acknowledge and then deal with that little thing that we don't think is any big deal. It may be a great big damn deal, but there's something in there. Are there some things in connection with your bodily life, your intellectual life, upon which are not concentrating at all, you're not paying attention? That's like, I love the, I love the Lord, and all of a sudden I'm not being disciplined in my eating habits. I'm not being disciplined in um, you know, my schoolwork. I'm not being disciplined in my, at my job. Is there something about you that's, that's lax that needs to be taken care of? Is there a moment like Miss Erica came up a moment ago and shared with me? Is there a moment like that that you, know, you have something that you know um, hasn't been necessarily dealt with? And so before you can go to the Lord and offer it up, you need to go to that person and deal with it, right? And then, then you're clear, you come back, and you're ready to go. And, and here's the crazy thing for, and I don't want to keep picking on you, okay? But here's the crazy thing. You asked me a few, a few weeks ago, and then asked me, why am I always so tired? And I wanted to tell you, but I can't. And what I want to tell you is you're still carrying around a burden that you have no business carrying. You've never dealt with that. I didn't tell her. And she goes, well, I just read, I hear a prayer. I'm in the circle with the kids. Uh, Lord, please tell me, well, whatever the thing is, I just, I just need to figure it out. I just need to get it gone because, you know, I, I don't want anything between me and you. So what happened? God's faithful, right? He goes, okay, Miss Eric, here it is. This is it. And I, I would have loved to have been a little, you know, you know, fly on the wall when he said it and she heard it, right? That's one of those moments going, oh, Dang it, right? And then you've got to go deal with it. Or not, right? 
and then sadly enough it becomes emotional because oh so, I feel so stupid because gosh I wasted so much time I could have done this a long time yeah there's a lot of things that, that you regret later that you wish you would have done sooner right well I would that's that thing that we doubt I would like to see us deal with it now instead of some uh, drag out and let it eat us and wear us out are the things that concentrate with your bodily life textual life that upon which you are not concentrating at all. You are all right in the main, but you are slipshod. There is a relapse on the line of concentration. There's something in there that hasn't been dealt with. You no more need a holiday from spiritual concentration. You need to be focused, 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 watching, watching, watching. Then, no more need a spiritual vacation from a holiday, I mean, a holiday from spiritual concentration. Then your heart needs a holiday from beating. You know, there's no life if your heart stops beating, right? Well, there's no life if you're not spiritually concentrated, right? Yes. Right. You cannot have a moral holiday and remain moral. Nor can you have a spiritual holiday and remain spiritual. God wants you to be entirely His. No question, no nothing. And His... This means that you have to watch to keep yourself fit. It means you have to stay on Johnny on the spot, making sure. And here's the crazy thing. Let's say he's got something, a spot or a blemish he wants to deal with today. And you, and you process it through, like, like Ms. Erica did today. And, and, and there's a side of us that wants to go, oh, man, I'm glad I got rid of that. I want you to buckle up. Because what I have found over time is that spot was really a cork of some sort. And when you pull the cork, there's something underneath it. Something more that couldn't be dealt with or couldn't be actually you know, realized until this was done. So we're not ever going to be perfect until we get home, right? So there's always a purging and a purification process. So just when you make that step and you feel a little dumb because you didn't make it sooner, be ready because there's probably more things underneath there. And if, and if you've done one, don't get prideful. Stay open and say, Lord, thank you. And if there's anything else, please let me know. Please help me walk through it as well. Would that not be a prayer of faith that's according to his will? Yes. Would you not want us to agree with you in that prayer? Yes. So now two or more have agreed in prayer in his presence that that's what we want. God's faithful to go, okay, because I see your pastor told you and you listen, I'm going to go ahead and help you in those other spots too. Except now, you kind of, it's brand new. You just remembered it, right? Because it just came, it just got revealed to you. So now you don't feel so guilty about talking about this one. Because you didn't even know it existed until, you know, now. But now you want to come and apologize for that or make amends or change some things. You're, you're the, and then when that one's gone, there's probably more. It's okay. We were born in a, in a fallen spirit of a right to ourselves. Well, many of us are, are not young, okay? So, and well, even if we are young, we have a right to ourselves that we hold on to. And until we get all the way done and to the, to, to the, the gates, the pearly gates, there's probably a lot of things that we've taken rights to ourselves in beliefs and actions that we've never reconciled. And frankly, maybe it was something you did once upon a time. You don't do it anymore, but you did it. It needs to be reconciled. We never considered having to reconcile it. 
Well, I'm saying that God's faithful and loves us enough not only to help us get there, but to walk through that moment with us. Because sometimes, one of the things Dan and I were talking about a little bit ago, she goes, well, I thought I dealt with that. I said, here's the point. Your conversation, just go back and hear what you just said. I thought. Just because you thought it was dealt with doesn't mean it's dealt with. Because things that you've been through, especially the things you all have been through, have dynamics that you can't believe. You dealt with something over here and you process through the fact that, I'm sorry, you were molested or raped or whatever you went through. And maybe you've even forgiven that person. No problem. Doesn't mean that you didn't create in you or it didn't cause in you some tracks you're running on in, in areas in your life today that were caused because of that. Like my brother Ryan here, you know, I did this at five years old. My gosh, sure, I found out here at 43. I've been doing that the whole, all, all my life. Yes. But I've been trying to tell him he wasn't hearing it. Finally, he goes and does an examination of himself, goes back and tells me what? What I've been telling him, first of all, you know, all the while I've ever known him. But here's the point. Now he's dealing with it. But what you've got to understand, those uh, uh, moments that you have need intervention. There's lots of dynamics to them. So you and then other people around you and then the thoughts or the, the decisions that you made because of those things. And you've got to understand just because you, you, you acknowledge the moment, you, 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 you finally confess that all this happened to me and, you, know, and you, apologize, you, you, you beg forgiveness for them and, man, I don't want to do that kind of stuff anymore. That's all fine and good. Doesn't mean that there's not dynamics behind it. And you have to be willing to be humble and say if there's dynamics or there's anything else, you know, is there anything I'm missing? Is there other dynamics there? And ask the Lord and ask me, Lord, if there is, reveal them to me so I can, I don't need anything wrecking me anymore. You sure as heck don't want to be, you know, uh, a, a kid of however age, five, six, eight, ten, whatever the heck it is, and then be dealing with that at 40 years old in, in mindsets that were based on a five-year-old's decision. Because you, you don't even know it, but it's, it's wrecking your life today. Because it's keep, keeping you on a road that doesn't ever let you get on the main, main highway. And God's got the main highway, this narrow road he wants to get you on. And you're still running around this dirt rock road out in the middle of the desert somewhere because you have never let that stuff go. And so, as soon as you do, it brings you back out and puts you on a much easier path walking with him. Without having the baggage, without having all the drama, without having the, the, the perceptions, without having the emotional attachments and the, the, all the attitudes. I mean, just think about the, the dynamics of, of a moment. And say, I want to get them all. So you ask the Lord to help you walk through this, but walk through all of it. And then when and if you do, you start to clean. There might always be little things, but once you've got, got an attack on and you've kind of dealt with a lot of the things, then you have to realize that there still might be little spots or specks left. That And, and, and you know what the saddest thing about a speck is? It feels like the original spot. Because you're sensitive to the spot, because it, you, you, you lived it, right? <laughs> One little speck of something that's a seemingly no big deal can immediately have you react as if it was the original deal. Because it's part and parcel to the whole thing. 
So you, you've got to be willing to understand if it comes, I need to be able to go, that speck might cause this, this doesn't make this true. So uh, the reality is, what is this what is this, this reaction caused from? And let's go deal with at the source and deal with the cause. Okay? Because the effect is not the problem. The effect is the symptom. The effect is the awareness. Let's go find the cause and let's clean that cause up so there doesn't any more symptoms or effects on it. And that's a process. And pretty soon you get kind of excited about it because God says, oh, you're serious? Why? We're going to have some fun together then. And all of a sudden you're basically dancing through life with God and he walks through your specs and spots and you have reactions and both of you chuckle together going, there was a day when that used to really wreck me. Like, well, that was pretty cool. This doesn't bother me anymore. And God goes, scrapes the spec off and says, that's cool. Next, you pass that test and you learn to pass the test with his power, with his spirit, and they don't affect you anymore. Amen. That's the reality of life. Or you can be pouty and sad and let it ruin an entire day and you know, be all messed up and feel like you're a failure. Let all that lies from the pit of hell wreck you all over again and again and again. Which none are true. God wants you to be entirely his. This means you have to watch to keep every yourself fit. It takes a tremendous amount of time. Some of us expect this clear and numberless ascensions to be done in two minutes. And I keep saying, no, it's going to take, you know, took however many years to get you there. It's going to take a whole lot of years to get out of there. Okay, I hope you're ready. Let's go to Scripture. What time is it? Yep, okay. Turn with me first to Deuteronomy 32. Yeah, I was like, what? Deuteronomy 32. Here's the best part. The first two verses here are six pages. So it's not a scripture. <laughs> it's a story, all right? Deuteronomy 32, chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. What well, was that funny one with the message this week? To a devotion of hearing and a discipline of heeding. And then, don't quench the spirit. See how this guy just rolls out, and the first thing that he wants to come out and say, oh, by the way, give ear. <laughs> yeah, you know, take heed to what I'm getting ready to say, and I'll speak, and I need you to hear. So, or the, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as a small rain upon a tender herb, and the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe you greatness unto our God. I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to bring everything you need to life where everything about it glorifies God and you with him. He is a rock. His work is perfect. And all of his ways are judgment, truth. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus requite the Lord, O foolish people and unwise? Is not he thy father and he has bought thee? Has he not made thee and established thee? Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. The elders, and they will tell you. 
when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when we separated the, sea, the sons of Adam and, and set the bounds of the people according to the number of children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found them in a desert, a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness. He led them about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up her nest, flutters over her young, spread abroad her wings, takes them and bears them on her wings. Remember we've always talked about that one of the crazy things about an eagle? The way they teach your babies to fly is to basically kick them out of the nest. Well, they don't kick them out of the nest. I was impressed by this. They put them up on their wing. They take them out because they would have like rejection feelings getting kicked out of the house, right? So they put them on a wing and he flies out over and then he swoops loose and lets them fly. And he flies down and as they're trying to fly, if they can, great, if they can't, he swoops underneath them and catches them on the same place on his back and takes them back up and does it again until they learn how to fly. We have a God that's saying, oh, by the way, can you imagine being dumped the first time? Blah, 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 blah. What are you doing? Screaming, dollars crashing. All the way down, all of a oh, you caught me. What was that all about? What are you doing? I'm teaching you how to fly. Teaching me how to fly. Aren't you going to tell me what I'm going to do before you let me go? You know? And, and then you take it back up and say, what are we doing? We're going to do it again. Oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. It's freaking out, right? Well, I'm just talking about what I do. <laughs> I don't know if that's you guys doing what the Eagles do, but... Take me up and dump me off in the sky and let me flap and flutter and thank God you finally catch me, right? Well, at least you didn't kick me out of the house. <laughs> Look at that one, right? But they, he says, I'm going to take care of these deals as an eagle does its babies. He says, so as the Lord alone did lead him and was no strange God with him, he made him ride on high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields that he might be made to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, butter of kine and milk of sheep, with fat of lambs and rams of the breed of Bashan and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat and you did drink the pure blood of the grape. But Joshua and waxed fat and kicked and you are waxed, waxed and fat and are grown thick. You are covered with fatness. Then you forsook God which made him, and then he forsook God, which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to, to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, provoked them to provoked God to anger. They sacrificed to the devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begot you, you are unmindful, and have forgotten. God that formed thee. And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them because of the provoking of his sons and of his daughters. He said, I will hide my face from them. I will see that their end shall be. For they are a very forward nation, children in whom there is no faith. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those things which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn in the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap mischiefs upon them. I will spend my arrows upon them. 
They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat. Bitter destruction I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with a pulse, with a, the poison of serpents of the dust. The sword without and the terror within shall destroy both the young man and the virgin, the suckling also with the man of gray hairs. In other words, I'm coming to get me. You know, this was a little scary to me. And um, when we were down here in, in a, a verse or two ago when he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to provoke them and I'm going to show you what their end shall be. Um, can we get a clue? Right? So well, what we, you know what it's going to be? Great. What's that look like? And then he proceeds to say, um, basically, nothing, nothing pretty. And, and based on what? Them deciding to have their own version. Right? Look at uh, 35. To me belongs vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. The things that they shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for the servants when he sees their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. And he shall say, Where are your gods, their rock in whom you trusted? We should eat the fat of their sacrifices and drink the wine of their drink. Let them rise up and help you now. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he. And there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If, wet, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and I will reward them that hate thee, hate me. I will make them mine arrows drunk with their blood and my sword shall devour flesh. And that the blood of the slain and of the captives from the beating of the revengeances upon the enemy. God doesn't sound real happy to me and and all based on some foolish nature of mankind. Thinking that, you know, thanks for getting me out of the mess, Lord. Now I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. I came to you. I gave my life to you because I want to be born again because I was in a place I needed a God. Well, that was then. Now I feel better. So I'm going to go ahead and do whatever I want to go do. And, and we said, well, that's, that's, not, that's not how it actually happened. No, that's exactly how it happened. I watched it happen. Turn to Leviticus. Chapter 26. Let's start in verse 1. Leviticus 26 is um, same as Deuteronomy 28. A little shorter. Reward for obeying the commandments 26.1. This is where you get blessed, right? You shall make you no idols, nor a graven image, neither rear up any standing image, neither shall set up any image of stone in your land to bow down and do it, for I am the Lord your God. You should keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain and due season. The land shall yield or increase. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And you shall eat your bread of the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land. And lie, you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. I will rid evil beasts out of your land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. And you shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred. And a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. 
and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you. I will make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. You shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God. You shall be my people. And I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you upright. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, Or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you break my covenant, I will also do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption, and the burning ague, and among consume um, uh, consumption and the burning ague, and shall consume thy eyes and cause sorrow of the heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, and your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They, they that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when none pursue you. It says the wicked flees when none's pursuing them, right? Yes. And if you will not yet for all this hearken to me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. Ouch. And I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. Your strength shall be spent in vain. Your land shall not yield or increase, neither shall the trees of the land yield their fruits. If you walk contrary to me, will not hearken to me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children and destroy your cattle and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. If you will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary unto you and will punish you seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword upon you that shall revenge the quarrel of my covenant. When you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. And when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven. And they shall deliver your bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. And if you will not, for all this, hearken unto me, but walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary to you, and if also, but I'll be in a fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. You shall eat flesh of your sons, flesh of your daughters shall, eat, shall you eat. And I will destroy your high places. And cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols. And my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities a waste. I will bring your sanctuaries unto desolation. And I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. I will bring the land into desolation and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the heathen and draw out a sword after you. And your land shall be desolate and your cities a waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbath as long as it lies desolate. And you, being your enemy's land, even shall then the land rest and enjoy her Sabbath. As long as it lies desolate, shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbath when you dealt with it. And upon them that are left alive of you will I send a faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies, and the sound of a shaken leaf shall cause them, chase them, I'm sorry, and they shall flee 
as fleeing from a sword. They shall fall when none pursue. They shall fall upon one another. It were before a sword when none pursues, and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. And you shall perish among the heathen. The land of your enemies shall eat you up. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands and also the iniquities of your fathers. Shall they pine away with them? If they shall confess their iniquity, though, and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, then they trespassed against me, and they also that have walked contrary to me. Then I also have walked contrary to them, and have brought them into the land of their enemies. And if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they accept the punishment of their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, also my covenant with Isaac, also my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. The land also should be left of them, and shall enjoy their Sabbaths while, the, while she lies desolate without them. And they shall accept the punishment of their iniquity, because even because they despised my judgments, because their soul abhorred my statutes. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord thy God. But I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought forth out of the land of Egypt and the sight of the heathen, that I might be their God and I am the Lord. And these are the statutes and the judgments and laws the Lord has made between them and the children of Israel in the Mount of Sinai in the hand of Moses. Well, I don't know about you, but um, that doesn't sound like God's real um, excited about, you know, helping them out if they're not going to, they're going to go ahead and do whatever they want to do. And, you know, we all might say, well, no, I don't want to do those things. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I have to question whether that's good or the motivation, right? Because we can say whatever we want to say. Are we not judged by our actions, not by what we say? But... If we say one thing and do another, we're not only judged by the action, we're judged by the fact of what we said. If you say what you mean and you mean what you say, you're good. You say you're going to do one thing and you do something else, you're, you're punished for two things. One for not doing it, one for lying. And it puts you in a place, like I was telling you all the other night, you can't say you're going to do something and then I do it because you just lied to yourself. And the minute you lie, start lying to yourself, um, there's no hope in you because you, your, your own body, your own life does, understands they don't believe what comes out of your mouth either. And so there's no hope in you. The only thing we can have hope in is the truth. The sooner or later the truth is going to come true, but if we're going to lie about something, there's no future in it. So we knew it was a lie. It's, it's desolate of any power that will help us anyway, Right? Turn with me to King, 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to take you through a little bit of a school here. 1 Kings 3, 1 through 5. This is right before Solomon got asked the question of what he wanted. But I want you to see his behavior and what started to cause some of the problems for him later. Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, 3, 1, the king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of the building of his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem around about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built into the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statues of David his father. 
Only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Whoops. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. That was where the great place, a thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon an altar. And Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what you will and I'll give it to you. So, there was no place for them to sacrifice at the time. So they picked a place. The challenge was, when it was built, he'd already got two boo-boos. He picked up the daughter of Pharaoh, and he was still, still went ahead and started you know, offering up sacrifices at his own high place. So he, his whole idea, what he want, God says, oh, I, want, you want the, I want the ability to judge the people. Well, wouldn't you need to judge yourself first? If he would have, he had already started marrying outside and breaking the covenant of God of having no foreign no foreign wives. And then he went out and went up to high places and started building stuff too. We wonder how Solomon, how, how this process didn't work. But David had taught him and he was walking forth in, a, in the power of David and God gave him the benefit of the doubt because of David. The challenge in all that is the benefit of the doubt only works long enough until he sees who you really are. And then comes the problem, right? Yeah. And you well know that Solomon's end was not pretty because he did lie. Turn to the First Kings chapter twelve. I'm going to go to twenty-five. When Jeroboam built Sachem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein, and went about from thence and built Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. This people go to the sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. Then shall the heat, that should be the heart of these people, turn again unto the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, the king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two golden calves and said unto them, It is much more for you to go up to, up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. He sat one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. Look, it's too far for you to cross the river and go up to Jerusalem to go, to go worship. So we're just going to go ahead and build, build an altar here. And the first thing he did is built two golden calves and built it on light. And that's what, that's what brought them out of, uh, of, out of Egypt. Exactly what was destroyed in the desert was a golden calf. And this thing, in verse 30, became a sin. For the people went before the one, even unto Dan. And he made a house of high places. And the priests of the lowest people were not even the sons of Levi. He decided to set up his own little worship place and put things in place that didn't even use the structure that had been built. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 33. Jeroboam continues to sin. After this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest people priests of the high places, whosoever would be consecrated, whosoever would be, would be consecrated, consecrated him, and he came, became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and destroy it from off the face of the earth. You have moments where you have this little affinity, this little high place in your life. Because of high places, God cut these people off 
from relationship with him, period. We're talking about being right on the main and end up getting shut down because it turned to uh, 15, chapter 9. Asa, the story we just talked about. And in the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel reigned Asa over Judah. And 40 and one years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Micah, and the daughter of Abishalom. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. And he took away the Sodomites out of the land, removed all the idols of his, that, that his fathers had made. He also, Micah his mother even, he removed her from being queen, because she had made an idol in a grove, and Asa destroyed her idol and burned it, took, to, and, and burned it by the brook of Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all of his days. Interesting that it was perfect all of his days, and yet we didn't work it all out the right way, right? Back up just a little bit and let's go to, no, what time is starting? Let's go to 2241. i go back up a little further. 2241. Jehoshaphat begins to reign. I'm taking you to the first few verses of each one of the kings because I want you to see that, and I'm showing you the kings that did what was right in the, in the eyes of the Lord. Okay? But had issue. There's a lot of other kings that didn't, that didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord and we didn't really talk about them because they were off before they started, right? Can I make the assumption that everybody here wants to, wants to uh, remain themselves as a Christian, right? Wants to do the right thing? Yes. Okay, so we want to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. So then, then, then I want to preface that because that's what your plan is. I want, to, I want to align you with some information about other people that did things right in the eyes of the Lord but had hiccups, had problems because of, of personal things they didn't take care of, which is, means their concentration on, on the spiritual life lapsed. You know, they're thinking, but they're not thinking clearly. I mean, there's, 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 there's only a couple of here that knew exactly what to do and do it right. Asa was one of the guys that did it right. Oops, except for the high places. Okay? And to be the king that he ought to have been, it should have all been down, right? 2241. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 30 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 20 and 5 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilai. He walked in all the ways of Asa, his father, and he turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered burnt incense yet in the high places. So there's another one that did right, but left the, left the idols there. Let's turn to, let's turn to Kings. Second Kings, I'm sorry. Second Kings, and let's let's go to verse chapter 18 first. Chapter 18, one through eight. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Eah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah. The son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old he was when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. 
His mother's name was also Abin, his daughter of Zechariah. He did not, and he did that which I'm sorry was right in the eyes sight of the Lord according to all that David's father did. He removed the high places, first thing out of the, out of the gate here, and the, broke the images and cut down the groves and broke into pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. And unto for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nahushtan. He trusted in the Lord of God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. He was the one and only that did it all. You all know Hezekiah's story, right? He got sick, prayed prayed to God for an extension. God gave an extension. Then he went and bragged to Babylon. Hey, come and look, check all our gold stuff out. God, God says, okay, no problem, you. You're going into captivity. Everything you got there, you're going to give it to them. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to. I already give you the, the blessing of life. Why don't you keep that? But I'm going to take your two sons. You know, same same thing happens. Sometimes we we get away with something. We feel really good about. Hey, I'm right with God. God, I'm doing it right. This is really good. I prayed to God to give me an extension of life. Then we lose our responsibility, and we wreck. He removed the high place. He took them all down. He trusted the Lord God. He claimed to the Lord and departed not from following, but kept his commandments, which are the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with them, and he prospered. Oh, you know, this. by the way, that's the only place it talks about in Scripture that a guy did it right, and the Lord was with him, and he prospered. Whatsoever he went forth, he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. He smote the Philistines, even to Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watch. Watchman to the fence city. So Hezekiah not only did it right, he did it so right that God blessed him. You won't see that in any of the others that didn't take the high places down. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. You all say you want to be Christians. You know, this is what your life wants to be, right? And I would imagine that being a Christian, that you know, you you, you understood there was suffering involved. Maybe that, maybe you understood that. You know, there was a, there, there was one the golden parachute, poof, you're gone, everything's all good. There was, a, there was a measure of responsibility to take. But if you were doing everything right, you'd be tickled to death of God's hand came down and, and he blessed you and, and provided for you above and beyond your, 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 your people around you, other people you know, because, because of your faithfulness. That would be like, wouldn't that be like a feather in your cap? Well, here's my challenge. I want us to get there. I want us to not only want to know the Lord and love the Lord, I, I, I want us to be able to be blessed by God. But there's some high places that have not been remedied. And these high places have to be taken. If we don't take them out, you'll, you'll walk through this and you might come out to the other side, but there's no blessings, there's no better life there's no nothing and and God can and most likely will count it as a sin and you'll pay for it so I just I'm I'm trying to enlighten you to go by the way the word of God is true and it tells you hey stupid don't be stupid right you know hey hey yes you want to be blessed this is what you got to there's there's a road map here if you want to pay attention turn with me to 2 Kings 22 
Second Kings 22. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Can you imagine that, a king eight years old? Yeah. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boshat. I mean, I don't know why they get... Uh, he was a daughter of somebody somewhere, right? And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all of the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right or to the left. And it came to pass... Oops. Let's go to from 8 to 2. Let's go to verse 8. I want to tell you a little story here. So he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 8. Josiah finds the book of the law. Chapter 8. Hilkiah the high priest said and judge to the scribe, they found the law. It had been lost. And so Josiah begins to read it or have it read to him. Starting in verse 11. And he humbles himself. Oh, wow. This is cool. Then, he reads the prophecy of wrath. If you're not doing it right, I'm going to squish you, right? And he reads about it. He's like, oh, wow. I don't, you know, I humble myself. We don't want, we don't want our people to get this, right? So then he, in, in, in chapter 23, he goes out and he reads the law of the people. I want to start in 23.1. And the king sent and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him. The priests, the prophets, and all of the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. It was lost. It was in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Doesn't sound like too many people were interested in going to the house of the Lord, huh? Yeah. The, the, the law is lost. It's, it's, it's where it's supposed to be. How crazy that is. And King stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant. that They were written to this book and the people stood to the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, the priests of the second order, the keepers of the door, to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal, for the grove, for all the host of heaven. They burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and they carried the ashes of them to Bethel. And he put down the adulterous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah. And the places around Jerusalem, which also that burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the planets, and the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without, the, without Jerusalem and the brook of Kidron and burned it at the brook of Kidron and stamped it small to powder and cast the powder there upon the graves of the children of the people. And he broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord and where the women wove hangings for the grove. And he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah. And he defiled the high priests, defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. And broke down the high places of the gates that were in the entering of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were on man's left hand of the gate of the city. Nevertheless, the priests of the high places came not up 
to the altar of the Lord Jerusalem. But they did eat of the unleavened bread among their brethren. So they didn't, they heard it, but they still decided not to listen. But they wanted to practice Passover in the, in the rules. And defiled Tophoth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, and no man might make his son or daughter to pass through the fire of Moloch. He took away the horses that the kings of Judah had given to the son at the entering of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathanmelech and Chamberlain, which was in the suburbs, and burned the chariots of the sun with fire. The altars were on the top of the upper chamber by Ahaz, which were the kings of Judah had made. The altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord and did the king beat down and break them down from thence and cast the dust of them in the brook of Kedron. Pie places were before the Jerusalem and they were on the right hand, the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon the king of Israel had builded for Ashtoreth, an abomination of the Zidorians and the Shemesh, the abomination of the Moabites, for Milcah, the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. Oh yeah, by the way, Solomon, when he got fell down, he went ahead and got blessed and all this, and he went and built, built high places and, and abominations for other nations based on his, his uh, uh, wives or his uh, uh, concubines. So I guess his craziness went crazy than we thought, right? And he broke in pieces the images that cut down the groves and filled their places with bones of men. Remember the altar that was at Bethel, the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had Israel to and made both the altar and the high place, he broke down and burned the high place and stamped it into small powder and burnt the grove. As Josiah burnt, turned himself, he despised the sepulchers where there had in the mountain sent and took the bones out of the sepulchers and burned them upon the altar and polluted it according to the word of God which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Uh-oh. He went and grabbed a bunch of bones out of another place that was wrong, and he came back and burned it on the right altar. And God said, uh-uh. You just corrupted our altar with that stuff. That stuff was evil of the bad side, and you brought it here in your best thinking, and you put it on my altar and burn it. You corrupted our altar. So here's a guy trying to do the right thing, but not thinking all the time. So he's got... One little thing he does, it comes back and bites him in the booty. Verse 17. Then he said, What title is that that I have seen? That the men of the city told him it was a soldier of the man of God which came from Judah and proclaimed these things. Thou hast done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, Let them alone. Let no man move these bones. So there's been a, a, a covenant made. Let no man move those bones. So they left the bones alone, the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. And all the houses also of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. Josiah took away and did to them according to all the acts that he had done in Bethel. And he slew all the priests of the high places that were upon the altars and burned men's bones upon them and returned to Jerusalem. The king commanded all the people, saying, Keep the Passover of the Lord your God as written in the book of this covenant. And surely there is not hold such a Passover for the days of judges that judged Israel, nor in the days of kings of Israel, nor the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of the king of Josiah, where this Passover was holding to the Lord in Jerusalem, moreover the workers with familiar spirits and wizards and images and idols, all the abominations were spied in the land of Judah, and Jerusalem and Josiah did put away. 
that he might perform the words of the law which were written in a book that Hilkiah the priest had found in the house of the Lord. And like unto him, there was no king before him that turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his might, according to the law of Moses. Neither after them arose anyone like him either. This guy was doing all the right stuff right up in the field of time until he corrupted the altar. Second king, let's go back to chapter 12. Second Kings 12, verse 1. Joash, in the seventh year of jo- Jehu, Jehu Joash, began to reign in 40 years, reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother became, name was Zibia of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all of his days, wherein Joadiah the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burnt incenses in these high places. 14. Verse 1. In the second year of Joash, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, reigned. And Messiah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign and reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet not like David, his father. Yet he did according to all things as Joash's father did. Albeit the high places were not taken away, as yet the people did sacrifice and, and burnt incense on the high places. Go to 15 chapter 1. Fifteen verse one, sorry. The twenty seventh year of Jeroboam the king of Israel began began Azariah son of Amaziah king of Judah to reign. Sixteen years old he was when he began to reign and reigned two and fifty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoclea of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Save the high places were not removed, and the people sacrificed and burnt incense. Still in the high places. 1532. Second year of Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, began Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, to reign. Five and twenty-five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Howbeit the high places were not removed. The people sacrificed and burnt incense. Still in the high places he built the higher gate of the house of the Lord. Seventeen. Verse five. The king of Assyria came up throughout the land. And went to Samaria and besieged it for three years. Ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria, took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Hala and the Habor by the river of Guzan and the cities of the Medes. 
For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and feared other gods. And he walked in the statutes of heathen, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of 